Hey, Seth, guess what? What's that? Our podcast is about to turn a year old. Ooh, we're going to have a birthday. Yes, a birth... I can't believe we've been doing this for almost a year. I know, it's crazy, right? It's absolutely insane. You know what the best part of birthdays are? What's that? It's the presents. I mean, you got to admit, it's the presents, right? I do I do like presents. I also like birthday cake, but I like presents. What do you think our parishioners could get us for, for our birthday? Um. Well, I like owl things. <gasps> what? <laughs> I like owls. I, th- I was thinking maybe something for the show. Maybe something both of us could use. Oh, oh, I guess if you if you insist. Do you know what we should do for our birthday? What we should do a birthday show where we kind of do a look back over the first year. Yeah, and, and like maybe do some best of clips or something. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. That would be. Wouldn't that be a blast? That would be so fun. Okay, so as a birthday present to to dropping Sunday, listeners. If you have a favorite episode from the past year, please send it to us. Tell us tell us what it is. We'll replay it. We'll 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 talk about it. We'll talk about maybe a little behind the scenes, what we were feeling or thinking during that time frame. Uh, and I think that that would be a great present to give us. What do you think? I agree. I think, and it, you know what? It won't cost you anything. It won't cost you anything. But I'm greedy. I'm greedy on my birthday. You want lots of presents? I like oh. lots of presents. I like yeah. I like lots of presents. Listeners, please. Tell, tell somebody about us. Yeah. Tell, tell five of your friends to listen to us. If we see those numbers jump up, we'll know that you've uh, that you've given us a great present by, by telling your friends about it. What, what do you think, Andre? Is that you think that'll work for us? I think so. You know what? That that'll kind of be like giving a present to us and to your friends. Oh wow! Because we're the gift to your friends. Wow. <laughs> uh, Pod listeners out there, thank you in advance for 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 making it a happy birthday for us. And for uh, for reaching out to to your friends and to reaching out to us and telling us your favorite parts, we're we're looking forward to our one year celebration. Andrea, yeah, you ready to get to the show? Let's do it. We watched Ragamuffin. We're gonna get into it this week on Dropping Sunday. Welcome to Dropping Sunday. I'm one of your hosts, Seth. And I am your other host, Andrea. And in case this is your first time around here, uh, Dropping Sunday is a semi-reverent look at Christian pop culture. Just a couple of notes. We are not here to get you saved. We're also not here to tick you off, although we would like to know if either of those things happen. Yes, this is a podcast by Christians for Christians, but you definitely don't need to believe to belong. Andrea, how's your heart? Well, Seth, my heart is fantastic. Well, why? Well, because we have a guest on the show with us today. We sure as heck do. <laughs> We're so excited. Guys, okay, I'm just a quick little backstory. Um, we wanted to talk about the life of Rich Mullins. Yeah. Um, his, the anniversary of of his, what we what we feel is probably his early early departure from yes, this earth, definitely. Uh, happened last week. And we, we wanted to talk about it. I said, hey, you know what? Let's watch the movie Ragamuffin. Yeah. I remember seeing it when it came out. Me I too. really liked it. Let's let's review it, right? Right. Well, Rich Mullins is such a prominent figure in Christian pop culture in the 80s and 90s. And I, I think I was reminded this week uh, in preparing for this show of all the songs... <laughs> All of the songs all that Rich Mullins had uh, had cre- writing credits on, and and that he wrote and recorded, and other artists recorded, and man, just there's a lot, there's yeah, a lot, yeah. So we were watching the watching the movie, trying to get everything ready, and I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to reach out to I'm I'm going to reach out to the director. Yeah. And and I'm just going to let him know, "Hey, we like your movie. We're going to be reviewing it. If you ever want to jump on the show, we're more than welcome." <laughs> You're not busy. <laughs> and this amazing gentleman just was like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." And so I just want to say uh friends and folks, I let's welcome to the show David Leo Schultz. Hey. 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 Wow, how many people do you have in the studio? There's a lot of people here. Um, in front of a live recording audience tonight. Yeah, yeah COVID rules <laughs> out the window. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, first of all, before we kind of get into the movie, I want to know a little bit more about you. Can you can you give us a bit of your guestimony? Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your your past. Yeah, and 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 kind of what brought you to yeah. to to the Ragamuffin Gospel. Well, I'll do some bullet points, and you let me know if you want me to expand. But uh, um, I'm from Indiana. Uh, I went to a Christian liberal arts university, Anderson University, in uh, about uh, 30 minutes northeast of Indianapolis. Um, uh, I moved out to California in summer of 2003, and... um, yeah, really did the struggling actor thing for quite a while. And then I started making movies really out of uh, the angst of being a struggling actor and uh, made a few films. And uh, and here we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's awesome. great. Um, yeah. Well, so what, what experience did you have when it came to directing? Because, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you, we... We're not always kind to movies on this show. Um, oh, okay. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, <laughs> probably should have told him that the other day. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're gonna brutalize you on this show. This <laughs> well, Seth is really notoriously <laughs> easy on movies. So this is also true. Um, yeah. You know, but we yeah. we might be a little bit harsh with like uh, movies like Velocipaster, uh, Assassin 33 AD. Um, That's really funny. Uh, but but with this one, we we liked it. And one of the things that I was kind of surprised when I started looking up was that you hadn't directed a lot of movies. But this no, is none. Yeah. This this looks great. Yeah, it really does. Well, I appreciate that. I'm pretty hard on myself. I. uh I couldn't watch it for years because I just, you know, I look at the flaws and not the, the, the stuff that worked, you know? And, um, but I, I, uh, a part of why some of the, some of it did work was I had a great cinematographer, Ryan Bodie and, um, one of my best friends. And, um, and we, I, I met him actually when I was just an actor and his stuff looked great. And so, um, he, he, because he was a friend and it was my first time directing, I, I really was like, Oh man, please help me just make this look good. I have great ideas, but I wouldn't know how to, I don't even know how to operate my email. <laughs> Can you make this look good? <laughs> and, uh, so in terms of like, you know, painting with light and, you know, all the technical aspects, uh, he was wonderful. And then we had, a a great visual effects artist and great editor, Dave Holacek and JB Wagner. And, um, my wife helped me produce it on set, Amy. And, um, and you know, we, we, we had a great team and obviously, uh, Rich Mullen's family was great letting me make it. So, 
Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask is kind of tell, tell us a little bit about what led you to, to make this movie in the first place. Well, I'm not great with brevity. That's why I'm trying to force. <laughs> I've done pretty much every interview I've ever done. I've not been great at brevity, so I'm really trying hard. Uh, you why? Can, if why? You can see first me right now, I'm like holding my hands tight. of like, answer this, answer this quickly. Okay. But first of all, no, 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 no. <laughs> first of all, we would not expect you to listen to this show before coming on that. Who's got time for that? Secondly, okay, yeah. if you had, you'd be like, Oh no, we can talk. It's fine. Like, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're good. Um, well, you know, the short story is, you know, I'm, I'm at the point of my faith now where, uh, I'm okay, but I had a real rough childhood and, uh, you know, the, the, the one bullet point I left out, what led me out to LA is I shipwrecked my life in 2002 and Rich's music I mean, I enjoyed it, but part of why I was drawn is this real mystery. And the best way I can put it is I once heard a pastor say, um, pay attention to what stirs your affections for Christ. Mm. And I can't describe it except to say it's a part of the divine mystery of, of our maker who made us, right? Um, when I listen to his music, uh, and I would put also on that same shelf the the writings and preaching of Brennan Manning. Those two guys in particular, um, I could be at the lowest valley, right? And if I, and I, it, it could be it could be one of Rich's songs that I'm not even that into, <laughs> right? And there's just something about it where my heart is drawn back to Christ, and. Um, and I just, I, it's like that John Wesley thing of a strange warming of the heart. And I just, um, I, the, the simple sentence is, um, there was never a plan to make a movie about Rich Mullins, but his music was kind of this, like, uh, the soundtrack to my faith journey, if you will. Sure. And, you know, to really put a exclamation point on it probably still wouldn't be a Christian if God didn't use Rich Mullins, really the life he led even more than his music and the things he said in his concerts and in interviews. I wouldn't be here today still trying my best to live in and out of my identity as God's beloved kid if it wasn't for Rich Mullins. And so um, I had made a couple of comedies and I, I didn't direct those and I didn't even know how to write screenplays at that point. I knew how to, my background was sketch comedy. And so I actually wrote a sketch comedy movie and I was so excited. We got, you know, I, I was born in 1980 and, um, so Chevy Chase was a big comedy hero for me. And uh, we got Chevy Chase in it, and I thought this was like my big break. And I won't go into the story, but we pretty much got 
really screwed over on that movie. If I can say that word on the show. Yeah, over. absolutely. No, I mean, I said way worse. Uh, I can okay. always bleep things out. Um, but I don't understand how, how does that happen? Do, I mean, people get screwed over in the entertainment business. Does that, is I that think a thing? It, I think it comes with the territory. I think okay. it's kind of like you're not really in the business if you haven't been screwed over. Sure. Um, you know, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Like now it's like I, I just didn't know those like easy lessons to protect yourself, even from um, friends. You know, it's just I just I was just that green. I mean, I really had only been I, I mean, we just got really we got actually too lucky too fast is is actually some of the problem um meaning i had only been out here a few years and my story is i never actually wanted to be an actor or a comedian professionally i had always loved it but what i wanted to do with my life before i shipwrecked it with uh you could say a moral failure in the eyes of evangelical christianity i um i i wanted to actually be like more like brendan manning i wanted to be a vagabond evangelist and preach the gospel and when i when i kind of ruined my life i was like well <clears throat> so much for preaching the gospel and most of that wasn't anybody's fault except my own just living in self-hatred and anyway so I went to go make movies instead. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, you know, we just basically, it just comes down to, to, to who's in charge of the checkbook. And it was definitely not me. And then, uh, if you're not the director on the movies, you're, you know, like in, in TV world, writers are in charge and, uh, it's a writer's medium theater is an actor's medium. Well, um, in the film world, especially the indie film world, the, the director runs the show. I mean, on paper, it's a producer, but it's really, it's really a filmmaker's thing. And I wasn't the director. And so it was just a combination of, of on both movies, really kind of, when I would even just almost say downright evil money guys. And, and then on, on the, the friendly fire was... I had trusted some, you know, I'll even say friends, but they kind of, I think, overstated their abilities. And, and so I, these scripts that I wrote and co-wrote were basically, you know, taken over. I mean, it, it was two different movies, um, two different comedies, both with some, you know, former a stars, B stars, And, um, Anyway, long story short, I was just after I knew before they came out that they like it wasn't even what I wanted them to be. Right. Uh, and so what I was written was like changed and torn to pieces and and the way the other actors were directed. I mean, it just it was just they were just bombs. Right. Yeah. And I was just really, really sad. And so here I am like the first dream of wanting to be this, like just preach the gospel. Right. I felt like, well, I'm a moral failure. That's not going to work out. I'll go try this acting comedy thing. And then what are the chances of getting money for, to do a, a, a really good size indie movie? 
what are the chances to do that twice in the same year? Yeah. I just felt like lightning struck twice and it's just never going to happen again. Like I literally don't know what I'm going to do anymore. And, um, I had a, a friend who we both loved like ghostbusters and blues brothers. And I made this friend who's a, uh, actually a Christian. And, um, he had been in a movie like co-starred with Dan Aykroyd. And, uh, so I like, he, I like loved him. <laughs> right. I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, tell me everything, what it was like to work with Dan Aykroyd. Right. And, um, I had, I had put him in one of the movies and he knew how sad I was. And he was really kind of the catapult for part of why I even was willing to try to make another movie is he, he, he said, Hey, he called me up. He said, Hey, I want to take you to lunch. I said, oh, okay. And uh, we go to lunch and he said, uh, I know you're feeling low. I got you a present. And, um, it was Dan Aykroyd started this line of vodkas called skull vodka. It okay. was like the very first year of him doing that. And he got me a signed bottle of vodka from Dan Aykroyd. Um, and awesome. I, I've never even opened it. And that was 12 years ago. Um, it's like in my dresser. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Where it should be. And uh, yes. I was like, I'm never drinking this. And also I don't like vodka. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's not the, thing that was just like an added little sweet gesture the, oh, yeah. the cool thing was is he said his his encouragement to me is he said david i saw what you're capable of and i saw how that was thwarted he goes make one more movie just promise me you'll make one more movie but this time you be in charge he was there he saw what had happened yeah right and I laughed in that moment because again, if you, if anyone is actually able to make a movie, what that entails and anybody that's a filmmaker or even has even tried to do like a hefty student film knows how tough it is. And let alone to get like, even if you got like a relative to give you like $20,000, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. It's it just literally, it's like you're asking you, it, it's like him saying like, if you ever win the lottery again, like a million, <laughs> and I'm not talking like you win 10 bucks. I'm saying if you ever win like 250 grand again, <laughs> right. Um, uh, and actually those movies I did before were, were 500,000 each. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I, I looked at him and I was like, it's never going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> um within six months but even though i was like still kind of living in that self-hatred stuff i was talking about i still had this like pounding heart to share god's love not because um i felt like a call to do it but like when you fall in love and god's presence is really real to you you can't stop talking about it. It's it's like, you know, when you guys first called, like, I got two little kids. And I'm like, it's a half an hour until I'm supposed to be on the phone with you guys, right? And my little girl, uh, who's six, is losing another tooth. She won't eat her dinner. 
we have these like push-up applesauces. And she looks at me and says, Daddy, would you go get me applesauce? And I said, yeah, I'll get you one of the, we got one in the, the fridge. And she goes, no, no, like from the store, like I want a different brand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know? And I'm like, of course. Of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Of course, right? So for me, I never called it it ministry or, or vocational or preaching or a title for me, it's just like, guys, I, I know Jesus is real. This isn't, he's real as I'm talking to you two. It's in his love that like, that's the only reason I'm still hanging on. And so I still had that in me. So occasionally I would get asked to preach somewhere and I was getting asked to preach at a church in Indianapolis. And at the time, I find out that Rich Mullen's brother is a pastor there. Mm, cool. And it's looking back, it's like really nerdy because now I'm like best friends with this guy. <laughs> um, but at the time, I was like total nerdy, geeking out. Like that's how big of an impact Rich had made. I went to two concert, two of his concerts before he died. I even... I was, let's see, how old was I when I died? I was, um, I was mid teens. Yeah, I was 17. Okay. I was 17. I was 17 when he died. And so when I was 16, though, I had seen him two times that year before he died. And I had one of those times I had written him a letter like, hey, I'm not a musician, but like I do skits and I like, like to preach Jesus. Can I come on the road with you? <laughs> um, I actually did the same thing with Brennan Manning too, oh, but I, nice. um, <laughs> such a dork, right? You gotta try, but, right? Yeah. You gotta give it a shot. I mean, we literally well, anyway. sent you a DM, you know, so sometimes a shot in the dark works. Oh, it would have been so great to have the internet back then. Um, <laughs> or I guess we had some version of it then. Uh, um, but anyway, uh, so when I met Dave, I just, the funny thing, but see, there was, there was something mystical um and i i was raised fundamental baptist so uh I, I was always a little skeptical i mean no offense to anybody listening but i am def i'm not anymore but I, but what that kind of ingrained in me was this hesitation to anything mystical or definitely the gifts of the spirit or anything supernatural i it just I, my default mode is like, probably not, even though I believe in a God that came in human form and died and rose again, <laughs> which is pretty mystical. Um, anything just a little outside, bit. <laughs> just a little bit. It's like, I love that people are like, anything supernatural. It's like, I don't know. It's like, you know, Jesus, you believe that Jesus rose again. I'm right? fine with the virgin birth, but don't speak in tongues. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. What? <laughs> right. You know, Mary just went, no, far. I'm pregnant. <laughs> Step too far. Right. So anyway, I, some of my friends remember this wrong because they, they, they go, oh, man, you always were dreamt about making a movie. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't even know I wanted to make movies. But. I was, just, I really was like, cause I would speak at like camps and retreats and I would always refer to him because of his impact. Yeah. And, um, especially in college, you know, cause in, in college he, he had been passed away, I think 
three years when James Bryan Smith wrote a book called An Arrow Pointing to Heaven came out. And it was a combination of two things. One, um, you know, the internet really wasn't much good for anything back then except like email. And um, e even like little things where it was like, did you know there's a travel site where you can book your airlines? <laughs> I'm sounding so old right now. But uh, I would, you know, it'd be like, what? You can't, you know. So, so there was two things. There was that book. And then there was, um, I had a, this CD that a friend made me that had a collection of Rich Mullins, um, interviews. Mm. And, um, and so those two things, like just, I just fell even more in love with Jesus. Right. And, um, that's kind of one of the things with the Rich Mullins and Brennan Manning folks that, um, I try to lovingly remind them about because for me, the reason I love Rich and Brennan has very little to do with Rich and Brennan. The reason I love them is because they were the doormen to the party of God's love for me. Yeah. And the real star of the movies for me is not Rich or Brennan, but, but God. Um, and so, um, so anyway, long story short, I, I tell Dave Mullins, Hey, I want to make a movie about your brother. And he said, well, if you made it, what would it look like? Well, ironically, six months before I didn't even know, I never wanted to make a movie. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, in terms of directing, uh, I definitely, and I think you'll relate to this. Because uh, of what your comments earlier, but I definitely never wanted to make a Christian movie, <laughs> yeah. right? Because they suck. Well. Um, uh, hey, listen, it's it, not that they have to be bad; it's just that they don't have to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not that they have to be bad, but they are, yeah. and they're just the pattern that they like to be bad. And uh, so, anyway, um. So I just, it was never a part of the deal, but I just, so six months earlier, I, I, a bit of a vagabond. So if I like am invited to speak somewhere, I go somewhere, like I love driving and, uh, I, I, I like, I've driven across the, you know, side back and forth in the United States multiple times before I got married. I just loved it. Right. And one of these trips, I'm listening to this old CD from college that had all these rare, Rich Mullins radio interviews, and now you can find anything you want. Um, and I just started. So you've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. um, the opening scene, I daydreamed that six months before I ever met Dave Mullins. I just saw it like a play running in my head. I saw that Jeep driving up to the abandoned church, and um, him breaking in, I, uh, playing the piano in there. And I saw, because I was listening to these like radio interviews, I imagined like, Oh man, this would be a great storytelling device of like him, uh, kind of narrating his lo own life through these radio interviews that he was famous for doing because he would be so, uh, organic and interesting on these you know and um and so whimsical and so unpredictable that he was just infamous 
you know, as a, as a CCM radio guest. And, um, and that was it. And they, you know, I told Dave, I said, look, I, so literally it all happened in a moment. I was going to this church, my buddy who, who set me up with this gig to preach there told me. And in like, right in that moment, I said, I think I would, I think I'd like to try to meet him to ask him if I can make a movie about his brother. I mean, it was that like, for, God, spontaneous even is the word wow. you know but it just is it was that uh, like oh did i i don't know that i ever remember verbalizing that in my head do you know what i'm saying yeah, absolutely. and then it and then i it just came out of me and i was like huh do i <laughs> <laughs> right and so you know i mean it was literally six months before Imagine the movie in my head, find out I'm in a meeting Dave. It pops out of my mouth. And I ask, I meet him February, I still remember, February 2010. So it's been 10 and a half years now. And, and uh, I said, here was the clincher. Was going to be the why. And uh, he'd even have to ask me because I said, look, I know your brother would not want a movie made about him. He wouldn't. <laughs> And he goes, you're right. <laughs> That's yeah. all he says. Yeah. And if you if you've seen any videos of Dave, he's like, one, he looks like his brother, but the one difference is is he's definitely more like true grit than Rich. Yeah. And so he's a little bit more cowboy. And uh, um, so he's like, you're right. It just kind of stares at me like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, it's intimidating to be honest. You're and uh, I, I, punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so, and I, and he goes, so why do you want to do it? And I said, look, I never met rich in person. I was only an audience member to his life through his work, through the books, through the interviews. And just by being an audience member to his life, God used that. To con- instill does continues to draw my heart back to him over and over again, and that's all I want to do. Is I think what God has done for me, and continues to almost in this mystical way. Like it's not a song Rich wrote. It's not a thing he said. Although I love his song. Yeah. Although I love many of the things he said, but it's this other thing. It's this mystical thing that I can't describe except that pastor put it really well, pay attention to what stirs your affections for Christ. And I said, I think he'll do that for others. And, and I said, look, I am so passionate about this. This is an, it just has fell on me like a ton of bricks that uh, I would be a janitor on the movie. I don't care. Um, but I will say this, I just was screwed over twice. So, if you ever do decide to go with somebody else or have anybody make it, let me give you some advice. And I told him the advice right then. Um, never give up final cut. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. make sure you are in control. Don't give up this, don't give up that. And you know, you know the big movies that have come out, um, we had those opportunities, but we turned them down because we knew we wanted to make a movie 
that would be too gritty for some and not gritty for not gritty enough for others. And the reason we wanted to do that is we thought if we get if we go commercial with this meaning like a five million dollar movie the powers that be no matter how much we're going to fight they are going to veneer rich's life to something it wasn't yeah and we um i i said here's how i make movies i don't make them or or at the time it was here's how I want to do it. Now I've made <laughs> a few since then. And the way I do it now, and it's what I learned on that movie is I don't make the lead character, the hero of the story. I make God, the hero of the story. That's so, because of, so important. Because if God's the hero of the story, like I, for example, we would do screenings with the movie and people would come up to me and they would go, um, like, why'd you talk about Rich's sins and his struggles and this and that? And I'm like, because Rich wasn't the hero of the story. I was like, and it's actually the gospel too. If if God's the hero of our stories, you can talk about all the junk you want. Matter of fact, the more junk you talk about, the more heroic God becomes. And um, we just knew we wanted to make an honest movie about him. Um, and, you know, the thing about Hollywood is you really can't go full Jesus and the thing about the, the kind of little expression I've come up with them, them is uh, Hollywood doesn't make movies honest about Jesus, but you can't get mad at them because they don't know him. Yeah. And but the problem with Christians is they don't make movies that are honest about life. Mm. And what I and that's why I don't really <laughs> that's why I don't really fit in anywhere because with the the these three movies that I've made and Ragamuffin being the first, um, I have to do both. Jesus has to be the hero of the story, and it has to be true to life. Because what's the point if you're not going to do it? They just. But try getting money for those. Yeah, those yeah. are those are tough. That's yeah. So. Well. That's awesome to to kind of hear your backstory and to hear how Rich kind of affected your life. I'm curious, Andrea, what was your experience with Rich Mullins growing up? How like how did his music or stuff kind of affect you? Well, yeah, so I I was in my early teens when when he passed, but yeah. I I think probably the the thing that had the most impact on me and especially I, I love the way that that it was portrayed in the film is that uh, so growing up as a teenager, growing up, Amy Grant was a huge part of my life. I am a singer and I sang all of her songs when I was growing up. Yeah. (laughs) Father's eyes, El Shaddai, all of them. They were. And so her version of uh, sing your praise to the Lord is just, is one of my favorites and watching, watching the way that it was portrayed in the film uh, was definitely one of my probably one of my favorite parts, you know, and just seeing oh, cool. their relationship. Um, yeah, but yeah, so I, I have that's my that's my wife, by the way. Yes, I know. I read that. That's very yeah. cool. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, his, she his she music. was like you. She lo- like adored Amy Grant, and when yeah. she 
she met her, she could barely speak. She was like, ah, ha, 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 hi. <laughs> I can imagine. I think I would probably be about yeah. the same way. Yeah. So sure. that or Darlene sure. check or Darlene check or Natalie Grant right now. I think those are probably oh, okay. three yeah. that I would, yeah. I would probably act that way. So, um, but yeah, so his, his music, it, it just, it was on growing up in a Christian home. Sure. So, uh, sure. Seth, what about what about you? What was your experience yeah. with? Well, okay, so obviously, I mean, th- I think one of the first specials I ever sang in church was "Awesome God," well, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, of course, definitely. Uh, oh, I, David, there's no way he knows this. Andre and I are also both worship leaders, so oh, okay, very so, cool. Yeah, so I mean, um, we both went yeah, it to, kind of comes with the territory when you're a worship leader. Absolutely, to know. Yes. absolutely. <laughs> right. You know, you went yep. to uh, you went to Anderson. I went to Lee University in Cleveland. Okay. Tennessee. Yep. Um, yeah. Andrea went to uh, I was going to call it Pensacola, but that's not it. It's <laughs> no. Brownsville. Brownsville. Yeah, Brownsville Revival okay. School of Ministry. In, okay. In Florida. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I haven't heard of that one, but yeah, not many. Have. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm it's not a real we're, we're, it's, like, it's like at Stan's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, down there, down there in Pensacola. Uh, not a quite accredited yet, but uh, he's working on it. Not even close. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even. Are you sure that anymore. was school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who did you pay seven thousand dollars a year to? What happened oh, please. there? It wasn't that. Yeah. Much. Well, oh, it was oh, kind that's of an good. investment that's opportunity <laughs> versus <laughs> tuition. <laughs> they started talking about your downline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, y'all. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, with yeah. me, uh. Uh, other than other than just you know being familiar with his music, um, yeah. you know the Jesus record came out when oh, yeah. I was a junior in high school. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah man. Right, right around. I mean, you know, I'm 16, 17 years old, um, yeah. and and then I'm about to go through this existential crisis of of college, oh, and right, right, the demos. I don't. I, I don't right. listen to the the final productions. I don't. But it's okay. Most of us don't. Yeah. I mean, as a sing- <laughs> what what I consider I considered myself to be a singer songwriter at the time. I wanted those demos, sure. and the sure. line of "I cannot explain how you came to love me except right. to say that nothing is beyond you." Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm life. tearing up. Right as you're saying, I'm tearing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines is uh, in in the on the demo is um, you came to give love a face and love a name. Yeah, so good. Ugh, so good. Right? It and, just it nails the gospel for me. It absolutely line. does, and so it really got me through that that kind of angsty time of uh, of trying to understand God and His love and growing up in a Christian home, and now I'm in a Christian school and I'm having to try to you know, deconstruct my faith a little bit. I didn't realize, you know, until way later that, you know, what Richard Rohr says about how, um, you know, your parents build these walls around you and it's your responsibility to tear down those walls and rebuild them with the same bricks, you know? Well, I'm pretty shocked you're dropping Rohr here. I thought it was a little bit more conservative podcast than that, but I'm proud of you. Well, I mean, I I mean, listen, they they did teach me how to read in that book learning school. I mean, I went to public school for for everything else. Good for you. Yeah. But, you know, that that idea of like. You're about to start getting hate mail like I do. Oh, well. We already do. It's all right. Yeah, it's. it's, All right. (laughs) Well. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. You know, I, listen, I'm just we we talk about engaging people's outrage. Like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead, I be like mad. It. Tell your friends. I uh, 
<laughs> I, the, I've just been telling my wife, it's like, I guess God wanted me to start practicing loving my enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And it turns out I'm horrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted, he wanted you to learn how to, uh, argue without divisiveness. Yeah. So he, he, uh, yeah. Put you turns in that out place. I am also not good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's funny. This, the past two, uh, I don't know. I'll t- We'll, we'll be friends outside of this, and I'll tell you the story. But it's, okay. been a, it's been a challenging few weeks. But the the fruit of what God has been doing has just been nuts. Yeah. I mean, like, like about as good as as it was doing the Ragamuffin movie. Yeah. Um, well, which, well, let me let me say this to you. Into that. Yeah. Um, I was re-listening to. Uh, I had a long drive today. I drove from San Antonio to to Fort Worth. It's about five and a half hours, and um. And so I went, I started listening to the audio version of a ragamuffin gospel, right? Or, sure. And, yeah. and, uh, one of the things that, uh, I don't know, I'm going to encourage you with this here in just a moment, but one of the things that was beneficial to me is that I was listening to it and I was not blown away by the gospel of grace. And to me, it was, it was, um, I, I asked, I asked my wife, I was like, well, give me a word for this. And she goes, you're you're fortunate. You're, you're fortunate that, that you understood the gospel of grace before now. And, and so, so that was, but, but one of the things that he said that, uh, that, um, that Brennan says, I'll just remind you from the book is that he tells about a story where he goes, wow, we had the biggest revival we've ever had. This pastor goes, we, we had the biggest revival we've ever had. And another pastor goes, how many people added to the church? He said, none, 500 left. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's so, it right there. So hopefully yeah. that encourages you because I, I, I may I may have looked looked at your Facebook feed a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh, so you know what's going on. Yeah, a little yeah bit. you know. So, so, so be blessed. Yeah. So let's talk about this movie just a little bit. Can we do that? Yeah, let's okay. do it. So, yeah, please. Um, so first of all, I, we want, we want to be uplifting and encouraging to you. However, we both have a problem <laughs> sure. with this movie. Just one. It, it's the wig work. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a great, I've got a great story behind that. Please tell me something about that. Michael's wigs in this movie. Yeah. So, um, it's just this weird it's it's psychological okay i it 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 was being it was being worked too much basically the behind the scenes of the movie it was like only being non-dualistic will be able to explain it it was like absolutely heaven and it was absolutely hell (laughs) and we i mean it was like i mean let me work backwards. Okay. Like explain myself. The fruit of the, 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 because I don't think I can quite describe how bad it was on set, except to say it was like every other day I was having to fire somebody. Oh, wow. I was sleeping an hour a night. I, I, the only thing I prayed every day was like, I need supernatural grace. And I don't mean forgiveness. I mean, empowering grace. Like I almost need your help to walk on water type of grace. 
I need your grace to make the possible impossible. When we, when I arrived in Georgia, I had, I had two weeks to get ready for the movie. That's when I started sleeping one hour a night mm. because no one had put the money in the bank yet to make the movie. And we were making the movie in two weeks. I pretty much, the, the budget ended up being close to a million with marketing. But that first round of production, I pretty much made that movie for under $200,000. Okay, so what first you of all, pause. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what you see on the screen, and it actually taught me a lot about budgeting and filmmaking but it kept getting added to that because of the i mean like the music was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get the synchronization rights you know i'm probably saying too much but but it, it was a mental it was a mental i mean i'm not joking it was a mental phenomenon that me and my wife talk about to this day which is I, first of all, here's why here, a couple people tried to tell me on the first day of shooting how bad it was. And <laughs> thanks. I that's like us in this podcast. <laughs> our first our first I, day, we were like, this is terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> I looked at it and I had literally 911. Because once you once you make that first day decision, you're stuck. Right. And then the whole shoot became about like how can we fix it? Can we fix it in post? Should we reshoot the scenes and da, 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 da. And the, you know, no, like the person who played the, the, um, or the person, the, the makeup hair person was truly lazy and awful. Um, like sh she's a great person, but she was really bad because I used that same wig in some reshoot scenes and, and I made it look great. Like there's a couple scenes in there that, uh, you wouldn't even know. Uh, but almost every scene she that that it looks bad in, it's she was in charge. All right. Well, we're, and, we're listen. We're we're just we're just giving you a little bit of a hard time. <laughs> no, but that was our so, negative. But, but, you here, know? but here's the phenomenon. Here's the phenomenon. I had no idea on day one. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't see what the, everyone else saw because on day one. I had to fire their caterer because he was two hours late. It was 108 degrees in the parking lot for the first sh first shot when we decided, okay, we're going to go with the wig. The, uh, the the Rich Mullins had brown eyes and our actor had blue and the, the, the eye contact lens got lost in the mail and the brother Dave was not going to let us make the movie without the contact list. Somebody had to go to whatever. We have to get this shot done in a half an hour because in a half an hour, we've got a 30 minute window to have an audience to be able to shoot a concert. And, uh, uh and David, Hey, the wig doesn't look great. I, I don't have, I don't have freaking time for this action. Yeah. Right. That's why. Okay. Well, so do you know what I'm saying though? It I was hear just, you. It's like, I don't see it. I yeah. just don't see the problem. I got too many other things. Let's go. And then it was like, oh, this is the one thing we all talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so so then that let's put that behind us then. Um, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, Happy we can't help. Listen, if if we didn't talk about it, somebody would be like, uh, guys, what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what yeah. happened? What is going on? Yeah. All right, Andrea, what was the what was any part of this movie like, or the the biggest part of this movie that stood out to you that was just like maybe captured you or maybe made you made you feel something? 
Well, so I think my favorite, one of my favorite, let me back up. One of my favorite moments in the movie is towards the end when he is singing Hold Me Jesus, because Mm. that is, first of all, it's one of my favorite songs. And, you know, you were talking about lines. Rich just had a way with words. Sure. That sometimes listening to it, like still, it, it just blows me away. Um, Cause I was listening to that song again today while I was working and the line where he says, I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want mm-hmm. than to take what you give that I need. And I mean, how many times have we found ourselves there? Right. Oh, oh yeah. Every day. More right. than I, more than I even want to count, but I, there's just something so poignant about the way he's singing that. And then he right. just gets up and walks out, like walks out. I don't know if that's how it happened <laughs> exactly in real life, but that yeah, moment just feels is. so powerful, yeah. you know, yeah. when he's, he's singing yeah. it and then he just, yeah. And he just gets up yeah. and, and walks out. Yeah. I, it really, it moved me. Yeah. I was watching the movie again this week. Yeah. She, uh, seven or eight months before he died, the love of his life showed up at a at a concert and he didn't know she was going to be there and didn't talk to her that night he got absolutely plastered mm. and this was seven months before he died yeah. and he just and i mean it was like before that he was in a state of sobriety it was seasonal for him yeah you you know and but it was just because you know he was drinking for a while but then one of his trips to wichita with james brian smith when all of his bandmates or friends were drinking he got cranberry juice so he had seasons where he didn't but that night when she showed up the all of his friends were like it was a tailspin yeah. yeah so so it was a perfect song so that's what we tried to do is is to decide the music we were like, no, first we have to decide the story. And once we had the story, we matched up the music to the story. That's good. And we thought, well, that's a perfect song to, to yeah. put with that. Yeah. Now, is it true that, that that shot was actually a oneer all the way to the Yeah. Yeah, I, I I somewhere on our things. It was it was it was too much. I mean, in our very first cut, it was like this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And I know we're going to have to cut it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was just, it was too ambitious. It was, it was like 15 minutes. I mean, it was crazy. It was like, oh, there's no, no. Yeah. 15 minutes of driving, but it was cool. It was definitely cool. It was a cool idea that didn't work. <laughs> hey, listen, I mean, when I, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, that would have been fantastic. But then whenever I, when I was rewatching it, I was like, Oh, I know why they made the cut. It's for time. Because where did this cat cat drive to? It's not like he drove around the corner to a Super Eight. Like it, right. yeah. you know, it looked like he kind of went for a bit. Well, and the funny thing is, is no, it literally was around the corner to a Super Eight. Oh, wow! But you would be surprised. It's just by the time you get to the Jeep, yeah. and you get and it's Georgia, and so you gotta. So it's long driveways, a two stop light, you know, and it just took forever. <laughs> so I was like, well, whoops, but, um, but it's cool. The, the, the whole shot's pretty cool. All right. So what got me in the feels was the storyline with the dad. Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. Um, oh my goodness gracious. First of all, I, I'm not trying to, you know, ask you to open up any mail and read it or anything. But what, I, what I'm saying is, is that I could tell that the person who made the movie had been through stuff and it not necessarily even necessarily with their dad, but like knew how to tell that story yeah. properly. And sure. then when he's sitting there with Brennan and he reads the letter and right. that, that visual, I'll be honest with you, like this movie came out. Um, I think my daughter was four or five years old when this movie came out. My son was born in 2013. So he was a baby baby. And, um, and when I saw it, the first part of the movie challenged me when, when he's getting on to him for putting the gas in the, in the tractor. Right. At I'm, I'm sitting there like my emotions were like on the dad's side. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you just you just ruined the tractor. <laughs> like that's a lot of sure. money. Like my my my, sure. my dadness came in and it challenged me at it, this movie actually challenged me at the time and rechallenged me again this week when I rewatched it to make sure that as I'm teaching my kids that I right. do it firmly and gently at the same time. And right. the the cuts at the end where the hand is on the shoulder Right. Yeah. 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 I, dude, you, you, you made the, you made this big old boy lose it. I mean, lose it. Well, I had to make up for the wig. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that's fair enough. You did well. You, you did well. You, you did really well. Um, yeah. You know, this movie also doesn't shy away, like you said, from, uh, from Rich's vices. Uh, sure. But, but I appreciated how much uh, I appreciate that because again, you have to have people be human and you have to have Jesus be the hero. Otherwise, we end up movie, with movies like Freshman Year, where the hero is the dad who comes in and pays for everything at the end, and there's yeah. zero, zero repercussions for anything we, that happens. We don't recommend that movie. Uh, so, we reviewed it a few weeks ago. Yeah, don't. don't, don't I'm don't so sorry. One. I don't know. I don't know that movie. God, I feel bad. It, it, it's okay. Listen, you if shouldn't. you knew it, if you knew it, I'd, I'd disrespect. There would be a lot of disrespect. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I, I always tell everybody this. Like, I, I bag on. Uh, I bag on um choices and i i i i bag on i really bag on philosophies i I really bag on the why of people making movies like you know there's certain movies you know and there's only a couple of players that really get movies made in this space and some of them are fine you know they make movies you know, that my grandma would watch if she was still alive. And I'm glad because I love my grandma. It's like, you know, you've got kids. Like, I'm, I'm glad. I would never make bubble guppies, but I'm glad somebody made bubble guppies for my kids. Yeah. Right? right? So there's, there's Christian filmmakers in the space that I'm not, that I, I'm glad they're doing it. Like, I have no qualms that people make kind of movie like movies for christians like that's not a big thing to me the ones i have zero respect for (laughs) not that you're asking are the ones that make christians or that the the, the christian movies if you will to use brevity that come out that make christians look like the heroes not necessarily god Mm -hmm. make christians look like the heroes and make anyone who doesn't know jesus out to be the bad guys yeah. Those 
to me, are not faith-based movies. To me, those are propaganda movies. And I have zero respect for that. But I'll give everyone a blue ribbon for one thing, even those guys that I don't respect. It is making movies is the hardest thing on the planet. Yeah. And so even for the people I don't respect, for the people that I'm just different of, even like the, the student film that's like the most atrocious thing you have to watch through because you're related to somebody or whatever, <laughs> like everybody gets a blue ribbon from me because making movies is the hardest thing you could ever do. Yeah. And um, it's just really tough. It's really tough. And so what Ragamuffin taught me was... Um, Ragamuffin was the first movie, like, even though I had produced a couple at that point, Ragamuffin was the first movie that, that taught me the most important movie, the most important thing if you're going to make a movie that, that would, to me, quantify even calling it a movie, and that is you have to make the audience feel something. If you make them feel something, that means they were engaged enough to let the story affect them. And if you accomplish that, you have a movie. Or a story. You have some. You have a piece of art that engaged them enough to feel something. You accomplished your mission. Hey, I will tell you that you you definitely made me feel something. So, mission mission accomplished. Um, and let me just say, like, if if you're this far into the show and you haven't watched this movie, guys, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, well, first of all, do you still get paid if we watch it on Amazon Prime? I mean, oh, I don't get the the, uh, the only person now who makes money is our investor recouping still. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. then then forget it. Watch it for free, however you need to. But yeah, uh, but yeah, um, Andrea, what about? Uh, I mean, we've gotten a lot of good trivia from from David tonight. I mean, he gave us a lot of information about the behind the he scenes did. and movie making. Usually, you like you to throw out a little bit of trivia on on movies yeah. that we see. Is there anything that you? Well, well, one thing that I that I want to mention, David, is that you you not only directed and wrote, but you also played a character. You played Rich's uh, college roommate, right? And yeah, friend. I played Sam. Played yeah. Sam, and then Sam, real life Sam, played Sam's dad in the movie. Is that right? Right. So right. That's yeah. That's very cool. And then also, Rich's brother was in it. So there, it was right? a, it was a family affair. Like you and your wife, you already yeah. mentioned your wife was uh, played Amy Amy Grant. Well, you know, when you're first making a movie, you really don't know if anyone's going to see it. <laughs> 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 like, there's a high probability no one could see it. I actually like like with younger filmmakers, I always give them this piece of advice. It's like even back then, I mean. I was I was like a, a year I was a couple years away from two big failures, right? And so I still had this mentality of like it doesn't matter, no one's going to see it, right? And then I I think it's a fair estimate that maybe two million people have seen it. Okay. Like okay. we've tried to calculate it based on some analytics and logistics and this and that. Just just it's a wild guess still. So I always tell younger filmmakers, I'm like, if you're going to really green light something, make sure it's something you want a couple million people to see. Because <laughs> right. yeah. right. it has you know, that potential. So you want to make sure just, it's... 
And you just don't know. But since we didn't know that, it was like, let's if it's just going to be like a home video, let's make it something that means a lot to us. Yeah. So why not have everybody you love in it? Of you course. Know? And listen, after this show comes out, you'll probably you'll probably see it bump up to like two million and thirty two. So <laughs> yay! Yeah, still well, hello, thirty two listeners. listeners. <laughs> so okay, Andrea, couple couple of questions that we okay. always ask. Okay, first of all, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Okay, so let's uh, talk about the rules of the Bechtel test. Okay, it's got to have two named uh, female characters. Yes. They have to have a conversation with each other, and it can't be about a man. Then no. Okay. Um, hey, no, no shame. I mean, I'm just at, we're, it's just something we have to ask on every yeah. movie. Uh, does it have the, does it pass the black Bechtel test? Do we have people of color in this movie that are named that have conversation that's not about a white guy? No. Okay. I don't think so. And there's not a magical black man anywhere in it no, either. So it's not that either. Okay. So, uh, oh yeah, that's a that's a Christian movie trope. Don't you know that? <laughs> there's always a magical black man who's. No, I I don't. I guess I don't watch Christian movies that much. You had to explain that to me too. There's I, all there. There's always somebody who's very wise who 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 takes the real hero of the story, the uh, the white guy who's struggling on a sports team, and tells him exactly what to do. A lot okay. of Christian movies have sports <laughs> themes, by the way. Oh my god! Um, In case you didn't know. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> That's fine. It's completely okay, Andrea. Uh, would you show this movie to your parents? Uh, yeah, I absolutely would. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I think that they would. I think they would both enjoy it. Yeah, I would show it to them. In fact, I I almost did. I was over there the other night when I was thinking I need to go ahead and do my rewatch of this movie. I should ask them, but it was already late and it was it's a two hour movie yeah. and they both would have fallen asleep. So yeah, okay. Which brings us to our last brings question. Us, brings us to our next question, uh, Andrea. Uh, how many times did you fall asleep in this movie? Just once. Okay. Oh. But listen, this is my second this is my second viewing. I watched it when it first came out and I didn't fall asleep at all. And also when I watched it, I started it at 9:45. Yeah. So it was oh, like the yeah, last 20 minutes. It was yeah. Uh, yeah. just the last 20 minutes and it's not it it is not a uh it says nothing about it's, the movie. It's not an energetic movie. <laughs> no, and Rich's music yeah. will put I it will lull you to sleep in the best way possible. Yeah, for sure. Well, I won't you know, I think Terrence Malick is one of the best filmmakers out there, and I would not put on a Terrence Malick movie on past eight. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't put any movies on past eight. Let's no. just go ahead and throw that no, out there right now. So. That's completely fair. How many times did you have to back the movie up because you couldn't follow what was going on? None. Okay, yeah. so so yeah. that that that's another Andrea sleep, right? So <laughs> a one Andrea sleep is a pretty good rating it's for this movie. Really good rating. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. So Seth, would yeah. would you show? It's this easy or? for stupid people, not good for tired people. Are, yeah, okay. <laughs> that listen, that's. I, I wait. We got the stupid people and the tired people as the host. <laughs> Say wait, which one am I? Yeah, here, wait. <laughs> I'm definitely the tired Paper, one. Paper rock tired. scissors. Here we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so one more question. I'm just paying you guys back for bringing up the wig. Oh, no, that's fine. We're that's all friends. Fine. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, Seth, would would you show this to your kids? Um, I I will show this to my yeah. kids. Not would, but will. 
Um, I will not show them for a little bit because I think that there's some themes that they need to sure. they, yeah. they need to kind of develop a little bit more. One of the things that I was actually thinking about today was um, I realizing it just kind of hit me that as a parent, one day I'm going to have to hand each of my kids a copy of Mere Christianity, mm. and I'm also one day going to have to hand each of them a copy of the Ragamuffin Gospel. Yeah, and and knowing that now is I mean. Of course, there's probably going to be other books that we add to it also, you know, I mean, but, yeah. but those are like, Hey, if you want to understand my faith mm-hmm. and, and you want to help understand like sure. the faith that we've tried sure. to build in you here, here's this. And especially before you go off to school and take a philosophy class and definitely get, get introduced to heretics like Richard Rohr. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or David Leo Schultz. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Yeah. <laughs> So, all right. Um, okay. Last question. Would you recommend that our listeners go and watch this movie? Absolutely. Uh, if, if you are familiar with Rich Mullins and his music and his legacy, then this is a definite must watch. And if you're not, if you're on the younger side, cause we may have a few youngsters yeah. that listen and maybe they're not as familiar with Rich's music or they don't know that they're familiar with his music, yeah. then this is a great, I think a great introduction to the heart of and and who he was and the heart of his of of Rich and and his music. Yeah, I, I feel like it does justice based yeah. on the interviews that I've read, the the articles I've read. I feel like this movie really does his character yeah, justice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and David, like you said, God is the hero. Jesus is the yeah. hero of this movie. Yeah. And yeah. what a great message! That's that's a message that anybody can stand behind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, what what do you have going on right now? I mean, I know that we're in this weird, crazy time of COVID nineteen, and so we're just—I mean, what's what was that? That's Kenneth Copeland uh, prophesying over COVID nineteen to go away. COVID nineteen. So (laughs) that's so funny. Um, I love you guys. Uh, Um, yeah. So you know, uh obviously because ragamuffin's the biggest thing uh i've done um most people don't know that we've done anything else and so we made a movie about brennan manning called brennan and we just right before covid hit matter of fact i was in i was in italy getting some shots in assisi right before covid hit so Mm. i kind of missed that window when italy got locked down um but we we made a modern day it kind of goes back into the 1200s but we made a modern day movie about saint francis of assisi and so if if anyone is interested we have all of our movies including ragamuffin on ragamuffintv.com so they can want you guys can watch our other movies too and it's 7.99 for like a month it's like a streaming service right so just, but we don't have a ton up there. So seven ninety nine, go watch everything and then cancel. <laughs> <Got> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Just go watch everything. And, um, and actually we have, uh, the, the, the latest movie on there and I'll, I'll probably have to take it down for a little while when, cause we're about, it's, it's about to be in stores and Walmart and, Amazon and iTunes and I'll, I'll have a window where I have to take it down. So this is a good time to go do that. And then, um, 
I basically have a dream, and the dream is to go full time, continuing to make movies. But also, what happened after Ragamuffin? I'll just long story short is I was never looking to go into vocational ministry, and uh, I'm still not. <laughs> but what <laughs> happened is. It's just, it's, it's almost like I open the door and like all these strangers are in my backyard asking for help. Yeah. And so what happened is all these people started reaching out. As soon as Ragamuffin came out, January, 2014, we started touring. And then in May, 2014, it, it came out to Walmart and then Netflix and everywhere else. And ever since then, people reach out and go, I'm still interested about Jesus, but I'll never walk into the doors of a church again because I was hurt so bad. Yeah. And my response to them is, I make movies. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> and, but, so you remember my story at the beginning. What's happened is, it's just like God has been like, the one on the high dive with me, pushing off me off the diving board into the water. And, and because I, I really am in love with Jesus because he's, he he's in love with me and I do love helping people and love telling people about Jesus. And so basically we've started all this ministry. We, we basically call our ministry, um, a church for the churchless or a ministry to the marginalized. And we joke that we're like a half cause we love the church. Um, I, I mean, I, Matter of fact, we do a retreat once a year. It's one of the things we do. And people will come so mad at the church. And at the end of the weekend, they'll be like, I loved it. And I'll go, well, what did you like? And they're like, I love learning about Jesus. I love reading our Bibles. I love making new friends that are Christians. And then at the end of it, I'm like, that's church. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? <laughs> All of those things. Um, so... But the problem um, is, honestly, David, the problem is that it's not the church today in a lot of places. Now, I would say the yes. church that Andre and I go to, I feel like is that, right? I mean, that's where we built our home. That's why we're still yeah. there. But I mean, mm -hmm. we had um, we had an episode, a couple episodes, a couple months back, where we we talked about some of the deconstructionalists that have, you know, kind of walked away from the faith and all of their arguments and brought, you know, uh, a pretty smart apologetic theologian on the show to answer the stuff. And it, just like, he's like, I was like, Hey, how, what would you say to people who are like hurt by the purity culture? And he was like, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Like, like it was just very much like, no, that's not what Jesus is. Well, what about people who are hurt by the story of hell? I'm not really worried about hell. I'm, I'm, you know, and he's like, right, right. it's just like, Oh, Oh, you're, you're you're saying healing words because you're talking about Jesus. You're not talking about doctrine. It, it's amazing right, that when, right, when we talk right. about Jesus, and again, like you said, when we make him the hero, all of a sudden our rules and the things that kind of bind us together and kind of hold hold us down, um, right? It really kind of opens us up. So that that's that's fantastic. I'm excited about that ministry that you're endeavoring on, whether you want to or not. That's kind of the way God works. So yeah, and so you know, I I'm really interested in, and this is no offense to any, how anybody does ministry, but I'm um, 
I guess from here on out, I want to kind of demonetize anything that involves Jesus, (laughs) right? It's just a kind of a personal choice for me. And so for me, basically what I'm trying to work on is like, how do I make money doing other things? Because the real dream is I just want to be able to finance everything myself, right? But that's a long dream. And so in the meantime, I'm trying, I'm being humbled by people's, men and women that are smarter than me that are like, you just need to accept the fact that you're a missionary <laughs> to, to, uh, to all these ragamuffins and raise support. So we started a nonprofit and I raised support through a Patreon page and it's patreon.com slash David Leo Schultz. It's a nonprofit. So you get a, I always mix up write off or tax deduction, but it's one of those. And, um, my accountant will be mad at me for that. And, uh, and, and, uh, but there's like perks, right? Like you can get a membership to Ragamuffin TV or like we, we, or like come to the retreat for free or, um, think little things like that, like behind the scenes, like a- an extra podcast we do and all that stuff. So, okay. Well, we'll, we will link the, uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so that, uh, absolutely. I guys. Appreciate and here, here's the deal. We've had people ask us, when does, when do you guys going to put out a Patreon? And we've honestly haven't been able to do it because we don't have anything else to give you. This is the <laughs> best, this, like, we don't have extra content. We do our best to do this. We both work 60 hours a week, you know? Oh, and yeah, so, uh, so, this is so our hobby. This, yeah, this is a hobby. Listen, all my gear is a tax write-off or deduction. I don't know either. Um, Nobody so, knows so, except accountants. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. the accountants are for. And so, so this is just something fun for for us to do. If you are looking for a way to support Dropping Sunday and you have you know financially support us and you liked kind of this episode and you like the movie and and you've heard David's heart and you say, hey, I want to support. Go ahead and support him there. Is it? Yeah. yeah that, absolutely. There we go. Um, Thank you. Thank abso- you. Absolutely. Okay. Um, are you, Andre, you ready to check into the Babylon Bee? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, no, not the bees. Not the bees. Ah! Oscars. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's Nick Cage. That's funny. Okay. Oscars <laughs> announced. <laughs> what movie is that from? Um, uh, oh, Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Yeah. Wicker Man. Yeah. That spooked me out. That movie. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Oh. Oscars announced Christian movies will not be considered for Best Picture unless they star Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> uh, um, Kevin Sorbo joke. All right. So um, there's a bit of an article here. We won't read the whole thing, but in addition to the Sorbo quota, Christian films will be required to include all of the following. At least one depiction of an atheist who gets hit by a car. Uh, a minimum of two Newsboys songs. But can't have more if they you, you want can't, more Yeah, than just that. minimum, minimum. Um, an altar call and a link to an online Bible study during the credits. Uh, 20% queer representation in the characters, but they must all get saved at the end. Uh, 12% Amish <laughs> representation. <laughs> Got him. Uh, t- <laughs> 12% Amish representation in the cast and or crew. Equal representation of Calvinists and Arminians. So that's good. Um, a minimum of 20 solid minutes of scream time for oh majestically goodness. waving American oh, flag. 
Uh, a maximum, and lastly, a maximum of one instance of light swearing, such as words as heck, darn, or freaky. Uh, light, light swearing. Light swearing. I love that it's light swearing. Here's, here's the issue with Babylon B. Yeah. I have... Laser accuracy? Yeah, well, that. But I have people on Facebook who share Babylon B headlines, and I don't think that they know it's satire. And I don't, no, I don't wait, know how to help on. them. No, I'm serious. No, they're the same people. No, ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, back up. Uh, back up. <laughs> oh, almost said something. He did. He did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't say it. But I'm yes, going to say same. it, then edit it out. <laughs> he has the power to do that. <laughs> These are the same people who uh, who also believe that all lives matter. So, um, uh, yeah, dude, leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. Not the bears! Ah! All right, look. look. All right, since you, since you Since you outed yourself with something controversial, I'll tell you guys a story. Okay. And I'll leave it up to you if you want to leave it in or I love not, because I don't care. 100%. All right. All right. So I'm only bringing this up because your first, the first Babylon joke was uh, Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> so when we were doing Ragamuffin, I, I had, you know, again, I'm a guy that, doesn't believe products can be Christian, right? So there is no such thing as like Christian music or Christian movie because a a movie can't get baptized or confess of its sins and follow Jesus, right? So I've always kind of stuck to that principle. And so knowing I was being kind of pushed into this world begrudgingly, right? Like I was like, they're like, oh, are you making a Christian movie? I was like, no, I'm making a movie about a Christian, right? Like because of my faith, like I'm not trying to be whatever. So I was real kind of had dug my heels in about this and knowing I, no matter how much I fight it, I'm going to get put in this bracket. Right. So what I tried to do is I tried to go, how do I make this movie and market it, especially and I still lost some battles. Um, it's just what happens. And, uh, how do I do it in a way that would not, make me not want to see the movie right and so one day one of the producers that got involved that i ended up uh kicking off the movie uh i won't tell i won't tell you who but these producers got involved that had done a really big like christian movie for a big studio okay and this is a long time ago so rules a lot of movies out and they were basically like, we'll give you $5 million if you, if you cast, we'll, we'll invest $5 million in the movie, which would have put us on that, that higher tier movie. Yeah. Right. If you um, cast uh, the producer who financed one of these other bigger movies, daughter, cast her daughter. And I said, no as rich hold on <laughs> no no just as like one, as uh it was a, it was an arbitrary character and uh i i i looked at her tape and she just wasn't she was okay but she wasn't she was a little she, she it just she was a little acting right and yeah. and i you know and it's hard enough getting actors who are okay to be Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Like, I just didn't. I, but that's not what 
kind of made me mad about it. What made me mad about it was you're putting a gun to my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm making a movie about a guy who gave up all of his money to the poor and lived on a Native American reservation. I was like, even the smallest decision that feels gross to me feels wrong to the spirit of the movie. Yeah. And so I said no. And it's it led to all this the stuff. But the producers basically went behind my back into Dave Mullins, Rich's brother, and were like basically tried to tell on me. Yeah. And Dave calls me up and and, and I uh, and he says, Hey, did you like turn down five million dollars because of da 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 da? And I was like, Yeah, and he's like, Good for you. <laughs> Gosh. I, I love amazing. This. I love this. And then so that same kind of icky, let's call it icky. You know, Jesus loves everybody, but we're all a little icky, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that kind of, this kind of same icky producers, one of them comes to me. This is kind of before that big meltdown. That's why I had to tell the story. Comes to me and says, hey, guess what? I said, what? And he says, guess who I got to play the dad in the movie? And I'm like, who? And he goes, Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is and fantastic. I said, I said, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. Hercules can go <laughs> And he goes, else. what do you mean? And I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was like, I don't know, Kevin. Like, I don't know his work. And I don't care. But let me tell you this. Is that if I go into a block blockbuster and I see Kevin Sorbo on a movie, I'm not renting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I said, and let me tell you why. Because I already know that that's a cheesy Christian movie. And I'm not going to watch it. And so what I don't. And again, I don't mean any offense to Kevin if Kevin hears us one day. Like, I literally. No chances. No, no chances. But like, (laughs) you're like, I'm already editing it out, dude. You're fine. So, but my point is, is like, he could be a great actor. But unfortunately, it's a marketing decision. He's, he's just got that thing about him that has cheesy Christian movie written all over it. Yeah. Okay. A new, new category for, for our show. Who could Kevin Sorbo play in the movie? Yes. That's going to be future movies. <laughs> yeah, we will yeah. talk about future reviews. Uh, <laughs> do that. So you're going to love this. So you're going to you're going to love how this story ends. So he goes, I mean, come on, man. Like you can't, you know, you know, he's a he's a. So the argument was, I said he's bad for marketing, and the argument was, you're going to turn down a guy who's genuinely could do a good job in this role. And I said, okay, you got me there. I'm sure he actually can act like I'll give him that. I'm sure he can would do fine. And, and he does kind of fit the bill. It would, it, he would have been castable and fine if he wasn't Kevin Sorbo, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So, but I was putting my heels in. So they're like, okay, so we can get him pretty cheap. We can get him. I'm just going to tell you, we can, get, <laughs> we can get him for like, you know, whatever we need, probably for like $5,000. Right. And I was like, Nope. I was like scale, which scale is like the lowest amount you, but you, you have to pay every actor a certain amount a day when you're a union, yeah. when you're a union movie, like screen actors guild. So, and, and we call that scale. Right. Yeah. So I was like scale, which scale is like what you, you have to pay any actor, even if they're unknown. Right. <laughs> So to like anybody who's been in the industry longer than five minutes, it's 
pretty offensive <laughs> in a way, right? Even if you don't like offer him a little bit more. And uh, I was like, he's like, come on. So apparently <laughs> he calls up Kevin Sorbo and was like, I mean, I'm going to make you this. You're probably going to say no. And he goes, it's how much? And he goes, scale. And he goes, scale? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I guess he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, there you go. It's not really on board with the movie if he doesn't want to do it for that. Yeah, but, but, but the whole set was like, oh, it's great role. He wants to do it. He mm-hmm. just, yeah, you know, like, and for me, but it was all those little decisions that I'm like, again, you're no making you only a movie. slept an hour a night. Yeah. Again, you're making a movie about a guy that gave everything away. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, like, see you later, Kevin Sorbo. Like, for you, uh, because for me, what that said is like, oh, you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. You need to read the script again because you don't get it. Yeah. Right. Well, let me let me just say that I know that five thousand dollars sounds like uh like not a lot of money, but. Carmen will come and do a concert for two hundred bucks in a in a plane ticket and a plane ticket. So, well, what are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Carmen yes. is down all the time. All the time. He uh, he's doing concerts. Oh man, I still. got a great I got a great Carmen story for you. <laughs> okay, first of all, if the if the end of this story isn't, I'm writing a movie about Carmen and Kevin Sorbo is going to play <laughs> Carmen. <laughs> Now I'll warn you. You might want to cut this. Okay. <laughs> I don't care if you do or not. I'm okay. just saying you might want to. Okay, I, I I will let you know that I have plenty of Carmen stories that I am not allowed to tell. You are not okay. going to tell me anything that I'm not. That's going to surprise me. Actually, the funny thing is, is this is actually more about Rich Mullins okay. than Carmen. Right. Uh, and, and I, in know, and knowing of rich, he would be perfectly fine with the story. <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of rich and me green light, but okay. I'll, your, your personal discretion. Okay. So here's the story is rich. Didn't like Carmen at all, but he would never Shocks. be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he would never like, like intentionally be rude or, or whatever. Like he wouldn't go out of his way. Like he would never get on stage and be like, just so you know, I, here's what I think of Carmen. Right. But rich was the type of guy where he was always blunt, always in the moment and always honest. Right. So one time he was like, uh, signing autographs at the merch table and whatever. And, and some really sweet kid, comes up and it says hey rich you and carmen are my two favorite musicians of all time and rich is like oh that's very sweet thank you so much and then and then she's just sitting there and she goes what do you think of carmen <laughs> and he goes he goes oh he's a heretic i love it <laughs> and hands back the cd and she just in stunned silence walks away <laughs> oh my like word. that poor 13 year old girl or whatever <laughs> oh that's hysterical that's awesome yeah that's how you know so that's I mean, you've seen the facebook lately that that's what's so funny about like oh because that's all i'm doing is i'm like jesus loves everybody hears me and, but not to be divisive or defense but to go like 
yes, I know it'll be shock for some of you, but I, to those of us not on your same page, that that's how we feel about you. Like, love goes both ways, <laughs> right? Right. And and so what I learned on the road with both Rich and Brennan in these movies is these guys who were all about the love of God and grace had two sets of fans. One set of fans were like beggars at the door of God's mercy. Like, no, they, they're like an alcoholic with the love of God. They know they needed help. Right. And the other side only knew the music. Yeah. Right. And so all these comments you're seeing, like are pretty funny if you're paying attention because he was like rich would be really disappointed and then all of rich's friends are getting on there and going you didn't know him yeah. <laughs> also I, love this <laughs> also we don't worship rich we worship jesus so you see that you yeah. see those come yeah i like yeah. that i like that a lot all right well andrea what's your not for me this week okay my not for me we're, we're we've entered into the fall season, uh-huh. autumn. Yep. And I just I really have a problem with people who make comments, call people basic, like oh. basic white girl. Oh, that's funny. Because yeah. I like pumpkin spice lattes or what? I don't actually, but if I did, listen, twenty twenty has been a crap year for everybody. Just mm-hmm. let me enjoy. Let me enjoy all the fall things that I like. Don't yuck her yum. Don't yuck my yum. If I want to go and drink a pumpkin spice latte and wear knee-high boots and red and black buffalo plaid and take a picture, then just let me do it. Just let me do it. It took, it took a minute from the, 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 the don't yuck my yum <laughs> to catch up to my brain. So you were still talking and I was like, Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> you say that that's that's the basic premise behind yeah. our not for me. Yeah. It's it's fine. Like if you don't oh, want to okay. do that, you don't have to do that. But don't call me basic. Are you I getting that? that? Um, I actually haven't yet this year, but I have in the past. And I think people mean it as a joke. Right. But still, just don't. I don't like that. I I I think it's birthed out of shame culture. Yeah. They want to shame me well, for course. what I like. And I just, yeah, just don't, just don't do that. Don't call it like, basic. Caddy high school girls. That's, it seems like if I had to put money on something, that's where that came from. Actually, I think it's more like caddy. <laughs> like I could see it women. in a movie where it's like mean girls are saying, ah, it's not basic. Ah. Yeah. It's true. But I think, those mean girls from that movie are now 30 year old women. And yeah. so that's who's saying it. Let's try 40. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. No, because I'm not 40 yet. Well, they weren't, they weren't teenagers either. <laughs> they true. were, they were 20 somethings playing teenagers. In those movies. Yeah. 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 In those good. movies. Yeah. All right. David, what about you? Do you have a not for me this week? Pharisees, man. Come on. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, of course. I had I had a dude today say to me, You're a false teacher, which I don't teach anything. Yeah. Uh, You're a false teacher that's leading people to hell. And 
my response to him was, I don't think the Bible gives you a license to play God. Like, when you go up to anybody and you say, here's who's Zen, here's who's out, this group's in, this group's out, you didn't get an advanced copy of the Book of Life to know whose names are written in there and whose are not, right? Yeah. Like, and it kind of goes back to, I think, what we mentioned before we were recording, which is, I, my prayer, let me put it this way, that's not for me, and what's not for me in Christianity, one of the reasons, one statistic I read is that since the year 2000 to now, so in the last 20 years, 62 million people have left the church. So these weren't people that are like, I don't know what to do with my faith. They were like raised in the church, grew up in the church, and now are not in the church. We only have 330 million people in this country. So 62 million of those have left the church. And I think one of the reasons is when people are on their way out, which usually happens when they're allowed to start thinking for themselves, they're told that you're either in or you out. You agree or you disagree. And if you disagree, you're often threatened with hellfire. Yeah. And I just go, I just go, I don't think scaring people into a, a relationship, like, like, are you guys married or married to somebody else or ever been in a relationship? You probably never had like, you know, someone proposed to you with a gun to your head, right? Like, marry me or I will kill you. Oh, was that and, not what I was supposed to do? <laughs> I apologize yeah, to my wife. Yeah. yeah. Hey, can you, uh, can you call 911? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think your wife's in a safe spot. But, but the point, the, the point is, is like, what do we do with this impasse of, oh, uh, we, we worship the same God and I'm talking about the people who are like Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, Bible. Yes. Bible. But pretty much after the apostles creed, that's the last time we all agreed on anything. Right. And that's why St. Augustine said we need to, the only thing we need to agree on is the essentials. But there's, like I said, there's, 33,000 denominations in Protestant Christianity. And so the problem is, is that especially, you know, these younger generations never learn that there's other streams of Christianity. And so they were only taught their own and they, they were basically taught that, that you, that they don't even know this idea of essential. Right. So we all have to agree or you're out. And so nobody, but, their denomination is going to heaven one day. And I just think that needs to die. That, that type of thinking. Yeah. Well, we, I'm not saying we've said it several times on the show. Like we're, those we're, we're not in the business of scaring the hell out of people. We're in the business of loving, <laughs> loving heaven into them. Yeah. That's, that's our, that's our, yeah, goal. man. I mean, 
here's the thing like even if even for those that do subscribe to you know um whatever views you 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 know the bible is pretty clear that talks about like a, a healthy foundation right foundation needs to be jesus it doesn't it should never be fear fear is not god right, right. like you you can say you can say god had all these type of attributes right well, there's only one scripture found in First John four that talks about only one attribute is his DNA, and that is love. And so you go, that has that has to be your foundation, right? Yeah. And if it's if it's your if the if the foundation is punished, like you know, fear of punishment or fear of whatever, fear of this. You know, the best that you can hope for is, you know, have you ever met somebody that's like codependent and being abused, but like then will get out of that relationship and go to another abusive relationship where they're, they're being physically or emotionally abused? That's the type of Christians we have today. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are ones that are that are being that aren't going to go anywhere. They'll be a Christian till the day they die. But they're. But that's what that's the best they can hope for if their foundation is um, they're a Christian out of fear of God and not the not not the good kind of fear of God we talk about. Right. Like the oh, God's going to murder me (laughs) if I don't um, if I don't hop to what you know what I mean, instead of like. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Here's my heart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and it's just like these Pharisees. It's just basically the ministry has turned into in the last like three weeks, like God's basically been stirring in me. Like it's time to start preaching again. It's it's time to go back to that dream I had in 2002. Yeah. And I've been like, no. (laughs) <laughs> I've pretty much been like Jonah. <laughs> oh, and then so is this and then fault? like this COVID. Twenty twenty is your fault. Yeah, Jonah. Is. Sorry, everybody. COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's well. That that's great. Thank you so much for for that. So, Seth, what what's your not for me this week? Thanks for asking. Uh, my not for me this week is a uh, basic girl. So everybody, <laughs> oh, <you're> so- <laughs> oh, rim shot. That, that's a show. That, that is wow. a show. David, thank you so much for, Absolutely. for coming you. on and talking about this movie. Um, man, a shot in the dark and it, and it, and it panned out. You've just been a, a great guest and thank you so much for being here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we've loved having you. Absolutely. Well, our thoughts and opinions are not the final word, dear listener. We would love to hear your thoughts and opinions about any of the topics that we talked about today. And just as a reminder, the thoughts and opinions of the people on this show do not represent the thoughts and opinions of any church that we may be associated (laughs) with. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, no, we say that every every episode. Oh, okay. You're good. <laughs> Don't forget to like and follow and comment on all of our socials. We are at Dropping Sunday on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, and as a reminder, for every comment that we receive on Apple Podcasts, we will donate a dollar to a charity or ministry. 
And just remember the greatest compliment that you could give us is to tell a friend to listen to our show. Listen to this episode or another episode. We've got almost a whole year's worth. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget to uh, send us your, your uh, you know, the parts that you like yeah. from pre- this year. So for our big birthday celebration that's yeah, coming up. episodes. Yeah, because we will be back uh, next week. Until then, this is Seth. This is Andrea. And this is David Leo Schultz. And this is Dropping Sunday. <laughs>